Anyway. Fuckers. Right, okay. Uh, are we going to try a Sean Connery impression to open with? Oh, um, I mean, I can't. The only Sean Connery I, impression I can do is um, him getting to Wimbledon. Because he gets there about tennis. You've you've used that joke before. Yep. <laughs> and do you know what, Ian? I'll fucking use it again. <laughs> <Bow>. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. Ugh, no one asked for this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for. No, I can't do it. Welcome. To the podcast nobody asked for, with me, Harry's. Ian Harry's. Ah, you stole the thing I was going to do. <laughs> and me, pussy galore. <laughs> and this week, we are we are going full spy and talking about everybody's favourite secret agent, 007. Yep. He, well, is he everyone's favourite secret agent? I suppose uh, for, for the purposes of jumping on the hashtags this week. He is. For this week, he is social... Well, when there was social media. When there was social media. Because what's the point in hashtags yeah. when fucking Facebook and Instagram are down? This is true. Well, I mean, everyone's on Twitter, but I think they've crashed Twitter because everyone's gone to Twitter by the sound yeah, of things. Yeah, but I wouldn't know because no one can WhatsApp to tell me what's going on. So, <laughs> basically... I mean, it's, it's it's had a real dent in mine and your father's relationship. Yeah. No <laughs> wonder... No WhatsApping wonder. things between you. Yeah, no wonder Captain Kirk's going to space... <laughs> But, I mean, speaking about your and my dad's relationship, uh, one of my choices, I realised today, I stole from him. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, we have that to look forward to. Thanks, Dad. So, we, w- we are going to be talking about actors we want to play, we want, or actors we want as the next 007. So, obviously, Daniel Craig is done in the film, which, to be honest with everyone, neither of us have actually seen yet. No. And he's going to be handing on the covert baton to somebody else, and we're going to go through our top three lists of who we want that to be. James Bond. It's all great. He was. Uh, do you want to get some boring history shit out of the way first? Uh, boy, do I. Boy, that, yeah. Can I? Quick question before we start. Any ships involved? Kind of. Oh fuck. The one. No, none. None specifically, but there's the definitely... frigger epi- The frigger episode. The frigger level on Goldeneye was very good. The yeah, yeah, it was. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. I can talk. If you want to talk boats ever, let's talk frigate episode. Ep- Why do I keep calling it an episode? It's a level. The frigate Goldeneye. level of Goldeneye was yeah. was a favourite. What was your favourite level of Goldeneye? What was I can't remember what it's called. The one that's all very like green and beige. Aztec. No, no, it's like in an industrial. It's kind of like and it, there's the toilets in. Oh, there. complex. Complex. complex? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good times. So there's no there's no ships in this, but there's definitely implied ships. <laughs> okay. So James Bond. Was created by ships like implied nudity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't see them directly, but you know it's there. <laughs> so James Bond was created by Ian Fleming in 1953. And it turns out Ian Fleming was a badass. Okay. So he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yep. But he also served in the Navy, implied ships, okay. during World War II under the code name 17F, where he was the assistant to the director of naval intelligence, and he was a big part of something called. Operation Mincemeat. Right. And I'll keep it short because you don't care, but it basically involved planting fake documents on a body that they then forced to wash up on shore. And it meant that the Axis thought that Allies were going to invade Italy through Sardinia instead of Sicily. And it had like a huge impact on the Second World War. It arguably meant that Hitler didn't commit troops to Russia, which meant Russia got the momentum and never lost it. They were estimating that 
an attack would cost like 300 ships in kind of damage and uh, yeah. ships sunk and they ended up losing only 12 and that is basically because of Ian Fleming's idea Two two things. One, um, dear listener, I've never seen Ian quite as excited as he is now. He literally rolled his sleeves up as he was talking about this. Um, and two, did they was was it a was it an existing dead guy or did they did they get someone to volunteer to be the dead guy? So it was a dead guy. It was a Welsh guy. Oh. And there was a musical written about it now, apparently, which is nice. But with hit songs such as "I'm Floating to yeah. Sardinia," where did he where did he wash up? Still dead. I'm not sure where he washed up. Oh. Um, but the idea was so yes yeah, so they basically had top secret documents in his pocket as if he was taking them somewhere Ian Fleming had a hand in writing the blueprint for the, the, he had a hand in writing the blueprint for the organisation that would become the CIA okay he created the 30 assault unit who were an intelligence gathering unit of commandos he used he wrote using a golden typewriter <laughs> and he also based many of his villains on people he didn't like so it included Goldfinger, who was an architect whose work he didn't like, which is one of the most middle-class beefs I've ever heard. <laughs> I, will, I will forever put you in print, because I don't like the way you build a staircase. Maybe it was Ted Mosby. Oh, what a prick. <laughs> so, oh, and uh, James Bond's success c- can arguably be directly linked to John F. Kennedy. Okay. Because uh, one year, while he was still alive, I assume, he said... From Russia with Love was in his top 10 books of the year. Right. Okay. And then sales exploded. And that's kind of where Bond kind like of latched. Allegedly. Well, not allegedly, it did. <laughs> allegedly. Ian, Ian Fleming was the gunman on the grassy knoll. Because <laughs> um, magic bullets, Graham. But we'll leave that for a conspiracy theory episode. Double knoll seven? Oh, God, that's quite good, that is. It's quite good, isn't it? That's, second that's... gunman and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. There we go. We just got to. That's it. That's our time. <laughs> we have peaked three minutes in. You can find us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. You can't find us on Facebook or Instagram. No. Um, so, do you know how many Bond films there have been? 25 as of now. Uh, do you know how many Bond films, including unofficial Bond films? Oh, no. Uh, what's an unofficial. Does an Austin Powers count as an unofficial Bond film? A so, Johnny English? There are 25. Eon Bond films, right. which are deemed as the official, but there's also Casino Royale, yeah, which is a spoof featuring Peter Sellers and Woody Allen. Oh, interesting! And then Never Say Never Again is a remake of Thunderball, right? Because it was something to do with the rights of Eon had all the rights to the books, but technically Thunderball was a movie script first. Okay. And then became a book, and it all got a bit weird. But like are... once upon a time in Hollywood, which is now inexplicably a novel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 other way round than you would assume. But I never say never again was uh, Sean Connery again, again. So Graham, given yes. that I know the answer for you is quite short, uh, what are your top three Bond films? <laughs> My top three Bond films are the three Bond films I've seen, <laughs> and they are, and they are, um, and this is in order: uh, Goldeneye. Spectre and Casino Royale. Nice. I mean, Spectre's shit. But yeah, but it had um, Christopher Waltz in it. Yeah, yeah, so it elevates right. it above Casino Royale for me. I think Skyfall is my favourite of the oh, actually, James Bond trying Maybe to I do Bourne. That's, um, that's the one with the house. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. I've seen that one as well. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Judy Dench in a dilapidated house. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Adele. 
That's I said like Adele slang for staying in a dilapidated house or something. <laughs> Judy Dent, she's such an Adele. No, she's more of a Mac user actually. <laughs> Fucking hell, you're on, you're on fire. <laughs> um, so mine uh, in reverse order, number number three, the man with the golden gun. Yep, Christopher Lee, three nipples. Number two, Goldeneye. Yep. Number one, Alan Partridge reenacting the spy who loved me from <laughs> I'm Alan Partridge. I mentioned this earlier. It is my favourite Bond-related thing. Yeah. If we're just doing Bond-related things, I'm dropping the man with the golden gun out for Goldeneye on the Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, Goldeneye on the Nintendo was, I mean, it's groundbreaking. Oh. We talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> it's shit. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine. Like, I have not gone back to relive it, but I can imagine. It's kind of in that awkward, sweet spot where like, a lot of games that came before it are now retro to the point of being timeless. Like, yeah, like, like a Doom or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Doom or the SNES Mario Kart stuff. Yeah. Like, because they knew they only had limited stuff to work with, they didn't push it, and it kind of works. Goldeneye, shit. I'm, I'm currently being molested by my cat. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure is going to be excellent. She's rubbing herself up against the mic now. Nice. That's going to help. It'll be good for editing. Oi, Mia, can you, can you fuck off? <laughs> She just wants to be involved. Yeah. Um, to be fair, Bowie's been in a lot of episodes. She's probably just missing. Yeah, out. true. I mean, but also, there's an episode where you can clearly hear her burying her shit. This is so, true. It, never had Bowie do that, though he did piss on my fucking bed. <laughs> so I uh, decided to um, see if I could place any bets on okay. this. So I checked out Paddy Power. Paddy Power actually have odds on who the next Bond is going to be. Right. Have they got? I'm assuming there's some ridiculous like 500 to one shots that you're going to run me through. Of course I. <laughs> so do you know who the favourite is? Um, is it still Idris Elba? So Tom Hardy. Okay. Tom Hardy seven to four. Second is James Norton, who I'm not, or tied second actually is James Norton, who's five to two. I he's the kind of actor who I recognise, but I can't tell you where from. <gasps> What's up is back. Hey. I know that because a message from you just came through. <laughs> Um, James Norton looks like a cross between Matt Smith and Dennis from It's Always Only in Philadelphia. Shit, he does. <laughs> yeah, I, I always put him as kind of like he'd be like the Cumberbatch they kept in the attic. <laughs> then also in at five to two is, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, it's like Reggie Jean Page, whose right. Christian name, I believe, is that guy from Bridgerton. Okay. Who, to be fair... I think would be a really good James Bond. 500 to 1, yep. uh, Will Smith. Ugh. And that's the same odds as Prince Harry, <laughs> Bono, and David Beckham. Bono. Yeah, Bono. It's uh, My favourite thing with that, though, is like there are also some very serious actors who you would assume might want the role that are 500 to 1. <laughs> they're, they're in there with Prince Harry, Bono, and David Beckham, which is a weird collective. Yeah, Bono makes my blood boil. Would you, you rather, get... if you had to pick, would you rather Bono or Will Smith oh, as Bono. James Bond? Really? Of course. Fuck Will Smith. I hate Bono. Oh, I hate Bono, but Will Smith is worse. That's fair. Bono, Bono gave, gave us sort of free album that we didn't want. Ah, true, but with Will Smith, he would also do the James Bond theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you, that's, that's the point. Who would you want to do a Bond theme? Oh, um, well, I think the best one we've had was the Chris Cornell one for Casino Royale. What was that? You uh, name? You know my name? You know my name. 
I was definitely about to say call me by your name, and that's a very, very different thing. <laughs> I think you want, um, you need someone with like a distinctive, I'm thinking like Foo Fighters or something, but I don't know if they'd necessarily got the, the right sound for it. Maybe a Dave Grohl fronted, just like Dave Grohl and a, a like with the whole Chris Cornell thing. Um, yeah. Right. Corey, Corey Taylor. Oh, fuck. Corey Taylor would be very good. Like Stone Sour Corey Taylor. Yeah, with with a similar thing on the heaviest on the the more heavier side of the spectrum of the work she has done, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, <laughs> because if you're talking about unique bluesy voices, I think that would really suit it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Or just the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, they love a good spy and a heist. Yeah, this is this is true. They'll, they, they'll do it, and the whole plot will be Bond trying to steal that album. The album that the farmer bro. Yeah off of them but seven million dollars a lot of money then apparently there's a clause in the contract that at any point the wu-tang clan and bill murray are allowed to try to stay stage an elaborate heist to steal it back yeah and he wasn't allowed to share it but he did stream it or something yeah but he's also in prison now i think he's also a prick oh <laughs> the worst of the worst he yeah. is one of the biggest pricks in the world at least like some of the other he's not even a billionaire he's a millionaire some of the billionaire pricks, at least they're not like, you know, hiking up the cost of life-saving drugs. Yeah, they're just refusing to allow their workers to go to the toilet. <laughs> I mean, they're not necessarily much yeah. better. No, I'm, I, yeah, this isn't a game of the, shit people trot trumps. <laughs> on the scale of douchebaggery, I think he's probably a little bit higher. <laughs> well, this, his go chances of fucking off to space rating is quite high. <laughs> Which, if anything, that I mean, that does definitely increase the likelihood of Jeff Bezos exploding. Uh, yeah, you know what? Is... If that's if that's what it takes, yeah. But then, I do uh, hope William Shatner's okay. I'm gonna say our favorite, our favorite uh, common person's gonna be going up. I feel like I, you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we went through it on the. On we, the we have, before. but but yeah. given there, there's definitely there's there's a distinct push recently that I've seen from indie podcast people to basically say don't listen from the beginning because we're all learning as we go. And generally, the later episodes are better. So, yeah. uh, with that in mind, William Shatner covers Common People by Pulp. It's amazing. <laughs> and nearly as good as the Wurzels cover. Oh, the Wurzels do some weird fucking covers. The Wurzels do some great covers. But, yeah, I do think Common People's my favourite. We have the Wurzels on our pre-rugby hype list. Nice. Which and, one? And uh, Drink Up Thy Cider. Ah. Because everybody in the team got to pick a song. Yeah. And... Uh, some of us are funny fuckers. <laughs> so picked for that. And uh, it's great because every couple of weeks someone screenshots it as it's popped up when they're in the gym or something. And uh, it's, why is that? And now Barbie Girl's on there as well. So, you know. Is it at least the little big Barbie Girl? Classic Aqua. Oh. <laughs> Classic Aqua. You sounded like the, you know, the, the smashing nice here. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And now we're here for some Classic Aqua. Barbie girl followed by Dr. Jones. I always preferred jazz. Nice. <laughs> nice. So uh with with th- with that in mind. Yes. Uh I'm assuming you have a movie recommendation nobody asked for. And I'm interested to see which weird <laughs> left field choice you've gone for this one because it's not it's not going to be as simple as just picking a Bond film. And I've been racking my brain all day thinking about which odd choice you're going to be throwing out there. <coughs> so I've gone for a film. It came out in 2013. It is. It stars. Actually, it stars someone who I think 
in retrospect, I'd already picked my things, uh, but I think maybe he could be a quite, quite a good James Bond. So it's uh, stars um, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, <laughs> it is a film that I guess I guess you'd probably call it a sci-fi film. Um, anyway, the film is Her, um, <laughs> and <laughs> the reason I've chosen it is it's because it's about a man who has a very strong bond with uh, some AI. <laughs> <sighs> for a brief... I, I was trying to go through Wacker Phoenix films, and for a brief moment I thought I was trying to link Johnny Cash with James Bond. <laughs> Because James Bond walks the line. <laughs> um. Okay. So strong bond with uh, strong bond bond. Yeah. With with AI. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's a great, great film. To be fair. Oh, it's, it's, it's a very film. good film. Didn't think the Bond episode would be when it got bought up, but fair play. Um. And if uh, if you've had enough of tenuous links, and you wanted something um a bit more. You felt a bit more comfortable with knowing it was going to be brought up. Yeah. Um, is there any other recommendations you could think of? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes you're right. Um, sometimes you don't want to be sideswiped by Whacking Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson as a, as a sexy AI. So you need to, you need to, you know, something that's regular, something that's comfortable, something that just feels like home or a home away from home, perhaps, in the sunny land of Sweden. Of course. We're going to recommend Midsummer. Midsummer's links to Bond are few and far between, and certainly not as strong as her. However, it's you know it's worth a watch. Florence Pugh's fantastic. The whole cast is great, and it's just one of those one of those um, stories that, despite being quite you know you you're going in, you're watching a horror movie. We all know it's a horror movie, but it takes you places. It's a journey. Faces get smashed, lungs get blood eagled. It's it's good fun. Go watch it. Yeah, and, and blood eagle is. I mean, blood eagle sounds a bit bit like a bomb title. So you know, this is very true. Yeah, we're we're good. So I, I like it. I like it a lot. So uh, are, are we ready? Are we going to dive into the murky world of espionage? Yes, I think we should. Um, what what's what what are our um what are our code names? Um. I don't think I've ever thought about it. I mean, James Bond just says his name. Yeah. So it's not very covert at all, is it? No. Um, I will be. What? Well, I, I don't know. I, I will be. I'm not going to have a code name. No. I'm going to be that. That. That is how secretive oh, I'm going to be as a spy. I don't even have a yeah. code name. I'm going to link mine back to Midsummer. I'm going to be the bear. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, then I'll be Blood Eagle. I'll be the Blood Eagle. Blood Eagle and Bear. Blood Eagle and the Bear. <laughs> like a terrible buddy cop movie. <laughs> Either a terrible buddy cop movie or an incredible rock pub. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you want to go to the Blood Eagle and the Bear? Absolutely. Yeah, just... just If the Blood Eagle and the Bear existed, I'd be there every night. Oh, every time. <laughs> oh, and well. on that note, I believe the first choice, first choice is mine. Uh, on that note, I believe we've got a pub to go find. Yes. <laughs> It's an interesting one because I, I think everybody at some point has had the conversation of who you would want to play Bond. Or, in my instance, I have been around a lot of people who said who they want to play as Bond and my response has generally been exactly the same, which is I would prefer them as a Bond villain. Because okay. the Bond villains seem a lot more interesting. So, like, uh, to use an example mentioned before, uh, Tom Hardy is currently 
the favourite to play Bond. Yeah. I think he would make a much better Bond villain. Luke Evans is quite high up on the list as well, and I think he would make a better Bond villain because there's more to work with. Because as an actual character, James Bond is really boring. Yeah, there's not a huge amount to him. Is there's there? not a, like the whole, the Daniel Craig movies have definitely done more with it, but he was never much of a character. He he was bordering on like. I don't want to say superhero because that has a different meaning now as well. But there wasn't a lot there. He didn't grow in an episode. He won. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well that that's what makes it so easy to transition from actor to actor, right? Because like yeah. he's just a fairly he is the spy. He's the top of his game. He goes out. He gets the girl. He beats the bad guy. He misses. He evades all of the bullets. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, and it's just a different middle-aged guy in a suit playing him yeah so so the way i phrased it in my notes was every bond film he kills henchmen fucks someone with an innuendo for a name and then he wins <laughs> talking of um good bond villains donald gleason i think would be a great bond villain really would be any yeah. of the gleason clan any, or just be. all of them <laughs> or just all of them but i'm glad you mentioned villains because the flip the exact opposite of what i said is also true in that there are weird there's a lot of bond villains who could have been good Bond candidates that we now can't have. Okay, well, like the guy that played Oddjob. Like the guy who played Oddjob. Um, the dwarf, Hervé, in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. But more seriously, Batista, who is Inspector. Yeah. Charles Dance was in For Your Eyes Only, as like an anonymous henchman called Klaus. <laughs> um, Toby Stevens played Gustav Graves in Die Another Day who you may recognise from the Incredible Stars TV show Black Sails, which everybody should go and watch. Have I mentioned Black Sails a lot, Graham? Yes, you have, yeah. yeah. That's too... That's that's more explicit ship content. So we'll save that for one, one day. Parental advisory explicit ships. When, when, we, when, we can't, when we can't record an episode together because you're away. Right. Maybe one week I will just have an, Ian's top three explicit ship episode. <laughs> I can't wait to see the comparison in downloads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Benicio Del Toro was in License to Kill. Mad Mickelson was in Casino Royale. Robert Carlyle was in The World Is Not Enough, playing a guy called Renard, who had been shot in the head and now can't feel pain. <laughs> That's how, that is such a fucking Prince Andrew <laughs> excuse. <laughs> Couldn't have been me. Couldn't Didn't feel any pain. Got shot in the head. Yeah. In the Falklands. So Renard, yeah, got shot in the head in a Pizza Express. Um, <laughs> in Wokey. Yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies had Jonathan Price, who I think could have been a good Bond at hmm. one point. Uh, Christopher Walken, A View to a Kill. Javier Bardem was in Skyfall. Max von Sydow and Christopher Waltz, or Christoph Waltz, have yeah. both played Blofeld. What's the. Um... Trevelyan. Sean Bean. Sean Bean, yep, so that was literally the next on my list. <laughs> so yeah, Sean, Sean, the, Sean Bean would have been a brilliant Bond. Yeah. But he was already already 006 in uh, GoldenEye. And then Christopher Lee was Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun. I think all of them would have been fucking brilliant Bonds. Yeah. So with, with that in mind, yes. what I needed was, one, someone who hasn't already appeared in a Bond movie. Okay. And two has already played a Bond villain-esque role in something else. Because that way, I get my cake, and I get to fuck it too. So, that's the phrase, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely the phrase. So, 
someone who hasn't been in a Bond film, but has played a Bond villain-esque role. Luckily, there is a man who fits both those criteria. And into a cake. And into a cake. It is Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, uh, fr- friend of the podcast, because if I say that enough, it will be true. <laughs> so Henry Cavill, if you aren't aware, is a 38-year-old, 200-pound mounted of muscle and confusing feelings. He was in Mission Impossible Fallout as a character called August Walker, where he is basically a Bond villain. So it, it's kind of a spoiler that he's a villain. But also, if you've ever seen a film before, yeah. you, you can clock on to what's going on pretty soon into the film. It's still worth watching. I, I, I strongly believe Mission Impossible Fallout is one of the most underrated films of the last, like, ten years. Yeah, I really need Just- to like give them another go i watch, I remember watching the first one and not liking it and i've heard that they've definitely kind of improved so, in quality the first one was flat out just like an old school spy thriller yeah it is nothing like any of the other films mission impossible 2 went a bit more overly actiony but it, it didn't quite have it and the same with mission impossible 3 and then it starts i don't know i can't think of many franchises that got really good from the fourth apart from maybe like fast and furious very similar to Fast and Furious, actually, because the first film was nothing like any of the others as well. Yeah, this is yeah, this is very true. So I think it's it's Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout are all really fucking good. So basically, when they changed the naming convention, yeah, exactly. That was the <laughs> that was the breath of fresh air they all needed. But I would strongly recommend them to everyone. But like you, a lot of people wrote them off because they didn't particularly like the first three. Mm. But yeah, he so he's he's already played kind of a Bond villainy role and he's also played kind of a Bond-esque character in Guy Ritchie's 2015 remake The Man from Uncle which I rewatched today and it is legitimately quite a fun film um but again nobody really watched it because it was a remake of a TV show nobody can remember nobody our age knew really no not um, at all and it was Guy Ritchie in a period where he hadn't really made a film worth watching for quite some time Henry Cavill, Cavill played uh, a guy called Napoleon Solo, which is one of the best-named characters I can think of in a film. But yeah, he proved that he's... So in The Man From U.N.C.L.E., he was really funny. He played a spy. He looked great in a suit. And I, I also think, like, what people don't appreciate is I think Henry Cavill's really good at kind of poking fun of it himself. And I think that's what... So one thing with Bond is definitely... Because it, I think Matt Damon fucked over James Bond. Because when the Bourne Identity came out, the Bond films, it seemed to signal the end of Bond being a bit silly. Yeah, so I was reading about this and it's basically talking around, obviously all of the Piers Brosnan stuff was a bit silly, a bit campy. And then you got to the Bourne era stuff, which I think was post 9-11 and so matt damon and 9-11 ruins james bond well this seems to be like a bit of a prevailing theory that like post 9-11 you can't really have like the threat of like global terrorism in a campy funny silly kind of way hence it needed to go a different direction interesting so what you're saying is matt damon was somehow involved (laughs) in 9-11 you heard it here first, guys. First, we had the uh, Ian Fleming was the man on the grassy knoll, 
and now we have Matt Damon was the man with the remote control guiding those empty planes into the towers. Okay, no. Because that's what you said, right? No. Okay. <laughs> Just for the lawyers, no. That's <laughs> not what mis- I said. <laughs> mis- I totally, totally misunderstood the point you were making. <laughs> but yeah, it like was a missile, stop planes here. <laughs> it was a controlled demolition. <laughs> Disclaimer, let's do a disclaimer. Uh, we don't believe any of that shit. If you do, you're a weird person. Now, that's an interesting one, but it, it, it's uh, you, you, there's definitely a way to do it. So the, that actually kind of brings me on to kind of my point. So with, with each of my picks, I've tried to envision what I would see kind of like a Henry Cavill or my other picks Bond movie would actually be like. Yeah. So we can try and like contextualize it to why I think it would be good. And Henry Cavill especially um, highlighted something to me that I hadn't really ever thought about before. But... I like the way the way you talk about this is like that. And I also believe that you think this as well is that Henry Cavill actually highlighted it to you personally. He does. He talks to me all the time. <laughs> we are best friends. One thing, I <laughs> yeah. So what I what I hadn't thought about before, kind of thinking thinking about Henry Cavill again, was um. That they insist on making James Bond a contemporary movie. Yeah. So every James Bond film takes place in the present. present day at the time. Yeah. And we don't have to do that. Like, embrace the fact that the Cold War was a much more interesting time Lord for, like... Again. No, 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 no. Like, just for, like, spycraft and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. stuff was a bit silly. Like, the CIA tried to send exploding cigars to Fidel Castro. Like, it is a bit silly. Or or maybe, so my, my um, fiancé pointed out, because I regularly talk to her about Henry Cavill, like, maybe not even Cold War. Have, like, World War Two James Bond. Yeah. Like, go full kind of Ian Fleming with it. But setting it in the past would kind of remove the point you just said of having, like, you can make it a bit sillier because the threat is the Soviets and they literally don't exist. <laughs> so yeah. you, you can... You know, not not necessarily make it campy, but you can lean into how inherently silly the old Bonds films were. So you can have your Aston Martin machine guns and ejector seats. Maybe throw in your like submarine Lotus. Well, if if we got Bono back, it would be a it would be a U two boat. Nice. Wasn't expecting a submarine joke from you, but <laughs> got a lot of time for that. <laughs> yeah. The only problem with, uh, obviously, the, the U2 is you struggle to go up and down because the, the elevation is all <laughs> off. No. Yeah. Yeah. At least it means you won't get vertigo. <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday. Yeah. Joshua Tree. But yeah, I, I like the idea of an old school Bond film set in the 60s or 70s. I think it gives you a lot more freedom with what you're doing. I yeah. think Henry Cavill's already proved he can do similar roles to that. I think he really fits the traditional mould of a Bond. And he's Henry Cavill. And Campy's fine. Like, kind of, we, we talked, Campy can be bad. We're looking at you, Batman and Robin. Yeah. But the reason, like, the latter Pierce Brosnan films were bad, so, like, Die Another Day and a world, The World Is Not Enough, it, they weren't bad because they were campy. They were bad because they were shit. Yeah. Like, it's a very important... It's like how everyone looked at The Dark Knight and thought, oh, it's good because it's dark. It's like, no, 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 it's good because it's a very good film. It just happens to be dark and gritty. 
the exact opposite of the Dark Knight <laughs> is Die Another Day. Yeah. Where Toby Stevens plays a... That's right, Graham. A North Korean general <laughs> who's had plastic surgery uh, and become a billionaire tech mogul who likes diamonds and satellites. So there is a tie-in to Batman and Robin. There is, yeah. I also, 100%, uh, when you said Toby Stevens, pictured um, Toby Jones. Oh, yeah. No, different guy. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he's definitely not going to play a North Korean. To- Toby Jones would be... Uh, well, I mean, he's as close to a North Korean general as Toby Stevens is, to be fair. True. Toby Jones would be a very good, like, parody James Bond. Yeah. But, yeah, Henry Cavill. The things I would do... To- I mean, the... The films you would see. The films I would watch him in. Yeah, I I, I quite like the idea of a of a period piece. Um, I can't believe it hasn't been done. No, it feels like it. It feels like it's got. Um, I guess. I guess maybe because they try and it's it's every so many years. It's all very zeitgeisty. I think maybe it might not happen for that reason, and it becomes an event around. Yeah, but. I think it would be a much better way for the series to go. I'd be interested yeah. in that. And I'm like, cars on the table, I'm not really interested in going to see a James Bond movie. But if they did something like that with it, where it feels like you're properly switching things up, I mean, sign me up. I like the idea. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, if we are seeing the Daniel Craig era ending, yeah. we don't necessarily have to continue with the same tone. No, no, no. We can do the the Batman approach of going all a bit all over the place with it yeah we just get the um we get the blofeld origin movie like joker i'd watch that yeah i mean to be fair i guess the blofeld origin movie was (laughs) the odd job origin movie the jaws origin movie you could call it jaws and that wouldn't be confusing at all wouldn't be confusing at all there's more confusing named films though yeah true you you could jaws the revenge ah damn jaws 2 wait no (laughs) Do you know what the most confusing name film is? No, go on. Shaft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Shaft, it's a sequel to Shaft, which is a sequel slash remake of Shaft. Yeah. So That's three too, shafts. Too many shafts. Too many shafts. Which I too think many... Is the, I think it's the tagline to the movie. Too many shafts spoiled broth. <laughs> That's what my granddad used to say. <laughs> Similar approach in that I'm thinking of Daniel Craig era ending. Yeah. Let's completely change things around. And... I think arguably, I mean, obviously a lot of the James Bonds have been fair, like typically more middle-aged. And I don't know, Daniel, I know Daniel Craig has done like, he's, you know, he's, he's a man that's in good condition, but I don't know about you, but he also looks a bit like a potato. I mean, there's pecs. Yeah. There's okay. potato with pecs. Facially. Oh, facially. Yes. There is a lot of potato to him. And... I'm just thinking, like, back to the... I'm guessing this is maybe a little bit more classic Bond and, like, the suave. Again, younger-looking, just a more classic take on it, but with a... Yeah, kind of going... But I don't know if it's necessarily going back to a younger Bond, but, like, to a... Taking it to a younger Bond. Um, maybe... Maybe you go origin story-ish. I don't know. But also, do you ever remember the... um The... Cartoon series James Bond Junior. Oh, <laughs> there's a cartoon series called James Bond Junior, which is basically about a teenage James Bond. Oh fuck me! No, I did not remember that. I remember <laughs> Young Indiana Jones, but I don't remember. It was. I remember Sherlock Holmes in the future. 
There were 65 episodes. Oh, wow. And he's also, okay, technically, uh, so it, it was a, um, it was a TV series back in 1991. So I was three years old. So I don't know if I saw it when it came out. But also, apparently, it's actually based off of um, a spin-off novel by... Uh, it, so, Oh, is it by one of the Fast show? No, no, no. It's, so apparently, no one... It's, it, was, it was written under a pseudonym called R.D. Mascot and was widely speculated to be Arthur Caldwell Marshall. But also, James Bond Jr. is mentioned in one of Ian Fleming's books as uh, is James Bond's nephew. Um, but the novel that was written in 1967 was called The Adventures of James Bond Jr. 003 and a half. Wow. <laughs> so, you, you, you clearly sparked a memory for me there. Okay. Uh, Charlie Higson? Yeah. From The Fast Show? Yeah. Wrote a series of books called Young Bond. Okay. I'm not going to go, like, full-on 003 and a half, because I think that's a bit silly. But I'm thinking, like, younger... Um, origin story James Bond kind so of a little which bit. of Stranger, Th- Stranger <laughs> Things cast are we going for? A little bit like gre- is it Green Behind the Gills? Is that the Green Behind the Ears? Green Behind the Ears? Green Behind the Gills sounds like a thing, but it may also be from Waterworld as a joke. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you know, inexperienced, knowing the ropes. Anyway, I want to go with in this instance uh, Robert Pattinson. Nice. So I think first and foremost, he looks the part. I think he's got very good range as an actor, so he's done a lot of different movies and styles over the course of his career. You okay? Yeah, no, I just looked at Robert Pattinson's age. He's only 35. <laughs> oh, okay, carry on. And as I say, like I feel it's like quite the departure from the Craig era, so it gives, I don't know, it feels like a good opportunity to kind of switch things up. And, you know, in a very similar way as they did from moving away from campy Bond with Brosnan to more serious gritty bond with craig you can kind of go again maybe you go to inexperienced bond with with patterson he's also kind of already auditioned for auditioned for bond um because he did tenet oh very good point so you know perhaps uh he is bond and christopher nolan was writing the future of bond in the past oh the christopher nolan bond film would be a mind fuck wouldn't it well you know who has been linked with bond 26 is it christopher nolan it's christopher, it's christopher nolan. nolan okay um and we know that nolan likes to use actors time and time again so i think you know it's either gonna be patterson tom hardy or michael Caine. i i i, <laughs> I, I shit the nay I was very close to going Michael Caine for one of my choices, but we'll come on to that later. But also, I think the other the other important thing is he's got like if you're talking from this from a purely because as much as like as I said, I'm not hugely into it, but I can appreciate that Bond for a lot of people is an institution, and in that scenario, you kind of need someone that's got that box office appeal. And obviously, he did Tenet. He's got the Batman coming out. Like he's no stranger to a big blockbuster. So I think that. He's on his side as well. However, I was looking at an article earlier that Esquire put together, and they had gone through a number of potential bonds, that you know, upcoming bonds, and they went through a lot of different actors, and I think a few that we've both spoken about uh, today, plus a huge host of others, and under each one, you know, there was a poll to say yes to bond or no to bond. Turns out 88% of people don't want Robert Pattinson as the next Bond. Robert Pattinson is so unfairly unappreciated. 
Yeah, and look, I, we, I know we've spoken about it time and time again. But also then I think, I think that kind of makes him a good choice for Bond because the fact that he's, ne- you know, he's not popular, but it will give him a chance to really shine in front of like a really large audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, stop with these indies like the Batman. <laughs> yeah, and, but do you know, uh, okay, but like even, <laughs> even then, like Bond is, Bond is going to get more bums on seats than the Batman. Is it though? I think it probably would. Across across the entirety of like the movie going spectrum, like a certain type of a, there's a there's a more specified individual that goes to like comic book movies. Like for example, generationally, like my grandparents would watch a Bond movie. They wouldn't go and see it, the Batman. Let's go introduce your parents, uh, grandparents to Batman. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, that's that. That is quite a good point, especially if we're. Uh... At the very least, domestically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, fair, fair, fair. I, I withdraw my sarcastic comment. But yeah, I don't know. I think it just gives him this... I, th- I think it would be a really good opportunity to kind of, you know, cast away those, like, you know, he's a silly, sparkly bamf- bamf- bamfire? I thought you were going to say panther. <laughs> silly, sparkly bamf... Silly... Sparkly vampire. vampire. We got there in the end. You kept you um, kept combining vampire with bat. Yeah, yeah. Vampire. Vampire. Um, which sounds like a jackass uh, sketch. Or a demon. Or a demon. Yeah, actually, it wouldn't be a jackass sketch anymore because Bam can't go anywhere near them. Um, hey. Well, that's the sketch. It's when they fired him. <laughs> My name's Johnny Dr. Knoxville, and you have to leave. <laughs> Because that weird alphabet you've made up is just—it's just not okay, Bam. Yeah, I, again, I think it's—I I think the the big selling point for me was his turn in Tenet. I thought he was very good. I think if he felt quite natural to that film. I think he was probably one of the best parts of that movie, even though it was massively confusing. If we get him and Nolan on Bond twenty six, I'd be quite happy with that. And actually, I'm—I I'm, would be intrigued to see. Because of the route that Nolan's gone down recently with, like, Tenet and stuff, and just getting more and more, fucking around with time more and more, for what feels like the sake of fucking around with time more and more, I'd quite like to see what he would do with, like, going back to an established franchise, similar to what he did with, you know, he took arguably a really interesting new take on the Batman films. Could he do something similar with Bond? And if he's going to do that with Robert Pattinson... As 007, I think that would be, I think that would be a good watch. Yeah, and and he he's he's proven he doesn't have to go timey wimey. This is the thing. I could feel like the, but I could definitely feel like a Christopher Nolan, Robert Pattinson, Bond film would end with it turning out Robert Pattinson wasn't Bond. Yeah, and it was actually Henry Cavill back in the back yeah. in the sixties, yeah. <laughs> or it'll be like Michael Caine is actually Bond. Yeah, according to this, so Killian Murphy would have to be in it. Yeah, Killian Murphy would be a good Bond villain, I think. Oh, definitely, definitely, because Michael Caine's already kind of done Kingsman villain. Yeah, so I I, I feel what we yeah. Retreading a bit. Who else has been in the load? Yeah, so Tom Hardy will rock up there. I could see Tom Hardy being like henchman. What I would love to do is announce Tom Hardy as Bond. Yeah. And then him get killed off in the opening section. And it turns out the whole thing is Robert Pattinson's Bond trying to find out who killed this agent. Nice. I like that. 
God. Morgan Freeman would need to rock up in it. Gary Oldman would need to rock up in it. Maybe he plays a dwarf again. Gary Oldman as odd job. <laughs> in the role <laughs> of a lifetime. <laughs> again. <laughs> well, you know, you do only live twice. Nice. Would we go Bond villain? So Bond Bond girl. Yep. We have the choice between Anne Hathaway or Marion Coutillard. Or, bear with me here, Christian Bell. <laughs> I think Marion Coutillard, is it Coutillard? Coutillard? She Marion. seems she seems more classic, like, sexy European Bond girl, doesn't she? Yeah. And Christopher Nolan, I feel like, wouldn't give her a stupid name as well. Like, fucking <laughs> Christmas Jones, whoever wrote that line should be banned from writing. Like, they shouldn't be allowed a pen or a keyboard. They just shouldn't be able to write down anything anymore. And it was, the line was, I, I thought Christmas only comes once a year, right? Yep. Fucking Bond. Well, that's when, well, that was half the problem. <laughs> nice. Next choice. Next choice. Nice choice. So, stop me if you've heard this before. I think the idea of a young Bond would be very interesting. <laughs> uh, so, I did toy with the idea of an older Bond. But I was told that 80-year-old Sean Connery was uh, not in keeping with the spirit of the episode. <laughs> Even though I like the idea of, say, he went on a mission, he got imprisoned for a decade, and he's taken out of prison to, say, rescue hostages that are being held in Alcatraz by a crazed general. Oh, what, what film, what possible film could you be referencing here? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe a fan theory about the Nicolas Cage film, The Rock. <laughs> where, uh, yeah, Sean Connery plays John Mason, and, yeah... There are theories that he is actually Bond, and I really, really like that idea. They've discredited it and said he's not, but I don't care. Talking of fan theories, I read one the other day that the Joker in the Suicide Squad was actually Robin. I saw that. Uh, Uncredited Extras, I think, put it up. Yeah. I really like that idea. I mean, it makes it much more palatable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do love it. We we do need a Best Fan Theory episode at some point, because there's some incredibly depressing ones out there. I yeah. think we spoke about it before, but the Rugrats one. Yeah. So yeah, I did like the idea of an older Bond, but I couldn't look past wanting either an older Sean Connery or Pierce Brosnan now, and then kind of have like a a Logan-esque Bond movie where he comes out of retirement for one last job, and you know, you go all properly. So I, I, I think I'd have preferred if you went Pierce Brosnan now, it would be like Bond meets Mamma Mia crossover. Bond the musical. Yeah, I mean it must. It's, it's, it's it going to be that. Hang on, let me let me let me let me just let me just forget it. James Bond musical, Edinburgh Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe review, 007 Voices of Bond. <laughs> but also, the, the, so the problem with searching James Bond Edinburgh Fringe is a lot of stuff is blank meets James Bond. Ah, it's like James Bond meets Ocean's Eleven. Uh, there is a shaken, not stirred, the improvised James Bond film. Okay. Quite like that. Yeah. Like there's like a ostentatious kind of thing. Yeah. I could, I could get behind that. Yeah. Um. So what I decided to do because I wanted an old Bond is sacked that idea off and decided to go for a young Bond instead. So, do you know who the youngest Bond was? Um. Oh. Lazenby. Sean Connery. No. The youngest Bond was George Lazenby, who was uh, who was thirty, but we collectively forget about him. <laughs> so Sean Connery was thirty-two when he was in Doctor No. Okay, and that 
funnily enough, is the same age as the actor I want to see step into the tuxedo. So my choice for this fresh-faced Bond is one of my favourite actors. He's up there with Robert Patterson, I think, for my favourite, like, currently active British actors. Yeah. And that is Daniel Kaluuya. Nice. So, let's have this conversation. I don't care about Daily Mail arguments and shit like that. (laughs) Bond is an entirely fictional character. His race doesn't really enter into the character. It's never a central point of anything, any of the plot or anything that he does. Um, I think he can be white, he can be black, he can be Maori. It doesn't matter in the slightest. No, and I, I you know, without giving too much away about my next choice, <laughs> I'm very much in the camp of James Bond is a code name. Yep. Hence how so many different people can be James Bond. Yeah. yeah. And therefore anyone can pick up that mantle if they're a good enough um, it explains why he constantly spy. introduces himself as James Bond. Yeah. And was all Roger Moore. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I honestly don't see the problem, and I'm yet to hear any argument that holds water about how Bond has to be white. Oh, um, I don't... I don't... I don't. Think there's so. nothing, because there's... Like, I'm more than open to debate stuff, but what I can't stand is badly thought-out arguments, and that's all it is. It all comes down to it's like, uh, well, he was, he was, he's a white character. So, and he was, he was written. Yeah, he's not. Uh, it's not. If if it was, if it was a, if the whole point of Bond was that he was racist, <laughs> that's a different thing. Like it, the the race is doesn't impact the character in the slightest. No, I I, I completely agree. Just on a similar subject, weirdly, and this is like. So some friends went and saw the Frozen musical recently. Yeah. And in it, apparently, at the beginning, when Anna and Elsa are children, Mm. they are black. And then when the adult actresses are there, they're white. See, now... That's very confusing to me. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm 100% fine with colourblind casting kind of thing for the vast extent of it. The, The obvious response to that is oh well you wouldn't cast uh you wouldn't have henry cavill as martin luther king and it's like well no i wouldn't you're being fucking stupid well because the race is central to the character of yeah. martin luther king yeah obviously but, but like there was a, a big outcry about channel five had a black actress play Anne Boleyn. yeah um don't see the problem in that we're all fine with hamilton <laughs> yeah like it's uh i honestly don't see the problem what annoys me with colorblind casting so like you said like i'm i'm fine with elsa being black but elsa has to be black yeah, yeah this is it like it's... young you, you i think um uh Les Mis has it sometimes where like Cosette will be a white girl who grows up to be a beautiful korean woman and it's like no like you have to both people playing the same character you you have to have <laughs> Yeah, be the same race. Yeah, yeah. They unless, have to look similar. Unless there is some kind of alternate universe where you can, yeah, you know, change races throughout your. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's it's not because that's not central to those characters, those roles, but it feels weird, and also I imagine quite confusing for like, you know, I guess at Frozen, a lot of the audience is going to be kids, and they're going to oh, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what has happened? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then, do you have people responding to that with, uh, well, it's set in Sweden? Like, and? 
She has magical ice powers. <laughs> and also, there are black people in Sweden. Yeah. But... Basically, I, yeah, I, I, I can't quite fathom why people are so overprotective about the fact that Bond is white. It's, <laughs> people seem to treat it like it is the last bastion of Englishness. Yeah, it's... it's um, I, 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 I don't understand it at all. But then again, I don't understand those people for, for a lot of things, to be honest. Yeah, very true. It was also, it is really funny having this conversation. I was talking about this with my partner earlier about how I was picking Daniel Kaluuya and I, I really don't see the argument. But also, I would be in uproar if they cast an American actor. <laughs> I, I, he, I, like I said, it, I, I don't care who plays Bond, but I have to be British. <laughs> British, at a push, Australian. Everybody has a line. <laughs> um, You're just leaving the door open for Hugh Jackman. You, well, uh, George Lazenby was Australian, so we can't take you know. Even though I did literally just take it away from him, saying no, I remember. <laughs> like, yeah, like you, you can't, you can't say no now. We've set a precedent. So yeah, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is an incredible actor, and he's worked with some crazy talented people already. Given that he's like 32, so he's worked with Jordan Peele, obviously. Steve McQueen, Ryan Coogler, uh, and Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, because he was in the f- the first follow up to League of Gentlemen. So okay. he was in Psychoville, which oh, is yeah, what yeah. they did between League of Gentlemen and Inside Number Nine, and it was really good. And it's really funny because we kind of grew up at the same time Daniel Kaluuya was coming through British TV, so mm. a load of people remember him for some really weird things. So I remember him as the guy from Psychoville. A lot of people remember him as Posh Kenneth from Skins. I never watched Skins. So he was in season one and two because he was a writer. So he was um, he wrote a lot of Skins or wrote episodes of Skins. Okay. And I think he was on, I can't remember, a friend of ours, I think previous guest of the podcast, Nate, I believe, bumped into him at the Prince Charles Cinema. Oh, awesome. And they were talking about him without realising... As Nate has history of doing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Talking about him without realising he could hear them. But they recognised him from like a really specific sketch on a TV show or something. Okay. And I'm fairly sure Daniel Kaluuya was just like along the lines of, how do you know this? I think Um, the first thing I saw him in was um, Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, a future Ian. Where did Nate recognise Daniel Kaluuya from? Hello friends, it is I, future Ian. So the sketch show Nate was thinking of was Harry and Paul. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya played Parking Pataweo in a a series of sketches from them where he basically plays a Postman Pat-like character uh, who gets uh, racial abuse for ticketing cars. It's it's alright, but uh, Daniel Kaluuya was apparently very confused that that is what they recognised him from rather than any of his other work. Good. Yeah, Classic, Nate. Classic. But yeah, like, he is, he, even in the weirder projects he's been in, and by weirder I mean shit, he's still incredible in them. So he was in Kick Ass 2, um, and he was in Johnny English Reborn. <laughs> but he still holds his own in all of them. And now he's gone on to be literally an Oscar winning actor. Yeah. And. Weirdly, I still think the only way is up for him. I I can't... He's clearly got the respect of a lot of very big, very interesting names. And 
I don't think there's quite an actor like him. Um, no. It's quite interesting as well that he is he's kind of the opposite to like a Donald Gleason in that yeah. he's basically only kind of does one movie a year. There's not much more that like he's not doing a huge amount of stuff. I guess maybe it's like a, a picking and choosing, but um <laughs> I think only in three years since he's been active has he done more than one film. Yeah, and th- then if you kind of go like backwards um, so the last film he did was Judas and the Black uh, Messiah, which got Oscar nominated. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet. It's just been added to Sky Cinema. Oh, excellent. So I will be watching it soon. Meaning to watch it, yeah. yeah. But I've seen clips of it and he's, I mean, he, he won the Oscar. He's, he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Before that, he did a voice in Christmas Carol. That doesn't really count. Um, he did Queen and Slim. Yeah. Which is supposed to be another very good film that kind of looks at race. Before that, he did Widows which even though it was so it's a Steve McQueen film and even though it wasn't as critically acclaimed as previous Steve McQueen films Daniel Kaluuya's performance was held up as the best thing in the film and that's the best thing in the film that features Viola Davis yeah um and before that he Liam did Black Mason yeah. and Robert Duvall yeah and everyone was talking about Daniel Kaluuya, yeah. Kaluuya when they came out of it and Colin before Farrell. that he did Black Panther and then before that Get Out yeah which again a lot of Oscar buzz around that and obviously it was distinctly a Jordan Peele movie but he was still it wouldn't have been this I can't think of anyone else who could have given the performance he did in that no I don't think so because also like someone like Lakeith Stanfield could only play the character that Lakeith Stanfield played in yeah. that film so yeah. uh yeah no but American so can't be Bond Th- this is approaching the issue with Bond we mentioned before in that Bond is inherently kind of a boring, shallow, two-dimensional character. Yeah. And the way to bring a bit of depth to him is by bringing an actor of the caliber of Daniel Kaluuya in. So he can play charismatic, he can play threatening and dangerous, and he can kind of do it all. The way I see this Bond movie working is we would be... It would be an early mission for a young and confident but inexperienced James Bond. So... Given your previous choice, this kind of example fits in quite well. Think Batman Year Zero. Yeah. So, but with James Bond and the Daily Mail getting really angry. I would see something like, so early in the film, something goes wrong on a mission because of his inexperience. That then sets up a series of events with dire consequences. Maybe he lets a villain get away and then there's kind of dire civilian casualties at the end of it. And the rest of the film is him trying to track this guy down and, you know, hold himself accountable. Um, obviously, if Daniel's got the Bond job, it frees up Henry Cavill. So we'll have Henry Cavill as the villain. But what we could also look at is because his inexperiences cause deaths, we can then look into the fact, which they don't really in a Bond film, that being a spy is really difficult. Yeah. And like, no, none of the Bond films, Bond, James Bond is just always a really good spy. Like they never comment on the fact that he's completely sacrificed his entire life to, to do everything, um, and the implications that would have on a person, especially someone in their young thirties, who's um, I mean the phrase is early thirties, but still I'm going to go young thirties instead. Um, again, it still doesn't mean we necessarily have to go dark and gritty. You can still address things like this in a film that has, again, Aston Martins with guns under the headlights, but we would definitely be leaning more into actually exploring 
it would be possibly the first thing you could describe as a Bond film. <laughs> it would be exploring Bond the character yeah. rather than seeing Bond do all of this shit. And I think for that, you need a very, very good actor. And for that, it is Daniel Kaluuya. As we mentioned, like I think we're, I agree with you, we're past the idea that James Bond needs to be a middle-aged white guy. And as I mentioned on your choice, this whole like James Bond is a code name, there is nothing to stop the choice being someone other than someone that looks like previous James Bonds, i.e. white middle class and middle-aged. Therefore, I would like to go for someone who falls into actually a similar category to Daniel Kaluuya in the sense that I'm kind of into anything he i'd like i like to watch most things he's in it's a little bit trickier he's not as selective as daniel glue he's in a lot of stuff <laughs> and there was a period of time where he was in basically everything that actor obviously is none other than riz ahmed as i say when he talks about robert patterson in a similar vein riz ahmed has riz ahmed has got a similar range he's i think if you take the fact that James Bond doesn't have to be like super, super serious. Riz Ahmed has definitely got like the comedy chops to give the role some comic relief along with the kind of suave, sophisticated angle. <laughs> Four Lions is one of my favourite comedies of all time. I haven't seen Four Lions in possibly since it came out. It's, it is just so good. And I think he, you know, he's great in it because he's very dry as well with the humour. And I think he could carry that through to here. He's also, you know, going back to that Esquire poll I was telling you about, he is also not a popular choice. Who was top of that poll? Uh, I'm not sure, actually, because you had to go through and, like, do your vote on every actor to see which one was um, had the most votes. But, I mean, for example, um, I had some interesting ones in here. I'm talking of younger ones. um, Tom Holland was cited, um, which could be interesting. But yeah, it, with for Riz Ahmed's vote, so we only had thirteen percent of people okay with him as the next Bond. Um, so one percent more than Robert Pattinson, interestingly. Um, oh, interesting. But um, still very low. And yeah, I think he's he's just someone that fits the mold quite well. Not not only just as an actor, but as a person. I don't know if you listened to the um, the Louis Theroux podcast that had Riz Ahmed on it. It was just. I think is he was doing like the press tours for um, Sound of Metal and Mogul Mowgli. I think so, yeah. Um, and he just comes across as like really, he's really intelligent, very insightful. He's extremely talented as well because he's not just a very good actor. He um, he's got a decent decent uh, music career as well. Mm. One of the more recent albums that he put out, which was like a concept album, was very very good. I think I think I listened to that one. That's it's a very very good <laughs> album. He fits your bill. I think he's from Hounslow. Wembley. 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 Well, he was at least born in Wembley. Yeah. So he's a, he's a local lad. If we're talking about like spy movie pedigree, he was. He, I think he had a minor role in the Jason Bourne movie, as in the movie that was called Jason Bourne. Um, <coughs> I haven't I haven't seen oh, it. The next Bond film is going to be called James Bond, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. Or just 007. That is such a weird fad. Yeah, of calling latter latter films in a series just the character name. Yeah, I don't get it. No. I really don't. Like, the, I'm fine with the Batman. Yeah, because it is the first in a new arc. 
but what you've got uh to go through the stallone chapter of it all john rambo rocky balboa yeah it's it's not just the name of the character it's the full name of the character yeah the predator yeah which is also an infuriatingly named film up there with the fast and the furious no fast and furious isn't it fast and furious yeah yeah I mean, yeah, I guess The Predator, at least we knew that it was solely focusing on just Prince Andrew and not, you know, the entirety of the uh, the uh, Epstein um, affiliates. Getting the Prince Andrew jokes in. Uh... <laughs> Fucking hate the cunt. Well, honestly. we can before the Queen makes them illegal. <laughs> I'm assuming that's why she's paying all those lawyers. <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope the Queen doesn't sue us. Um, Imagine the publicity, though. This is very true. Small independent podcast sued by the Queen <laughs> for implying Prince... Their defence is they were saying Prince Andrew was an alien. <laughs> Couldn't possibly have been there because he's invisible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, and all of these things, I think Riz Ahmed is a great character. I think Riz Ahmed comes across as, like, he, he's got the kind of cool, suave, sophisticated manner about him. But above all of these things... Just love to see the meltdown on Twitter if a Muslim actor was given the role of James Bond. Oh, well, that, that's the... Th- it's Because there shouldn't be, but, like, I think there would be gammon head exploding. But that's the thing. But So, like, the, the definitely not racist crowd... <laughs> yeah. ...see James Bond as being... He's a British icon. And to me... To what, you. Yeah. What I like about well, they would Chuckle Brothers, as Chuckle J- Brothers James and Bond. <laughs> what what I like about Britain is the cultural melting pot aspect of it. Yeah, I like that we are generally, or the the Britain I like is the one that is welcoming, accepting. There's people who've moved over here over the last hundreds of years who now see themselves as British and this is their home and whatever. So a British icon, to me can be, you know, anyone who just sees, you know, embodies whatever that means. What the definitely not racist people think of British icon means is one, English icon. Yeah. And two, white. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And it doesn't need to be that way. But it that's, that's something we're not going to fix on the podcast. No, not in the, not in the slightest. Yeah. Um, we, we, we'll definitely get more people to watch Midsummer, but we're not fixing... Uh, yeah. The, uh, the the problem with racists in the UK. However, I'd like to think as well that maybe you could have a positive effect with, you know, without a doubt, if, if, you, if, a, if a person of colour was cast as James Bond, there is going to be this meltdown on Twitter. And it won't be nice, I don't imagine at all. But I also wonder, and maybe it's naivety and hope, but through... Whoever that might be, whether it's Riz Ahmed or it's Daniel Kalura or someone else, that the level of performance they would give as James Bond might kind of turn the heads and the opinions of some of these people. But it's also kind of the other side of the coin of like it's it's a difficult conversation to have because again, speaking as regardless of the things I've said about Henry Cavill today, uh, speaking as a straight white male. Um, I've never had to worry about I could turn onto any channel on the TV and there is someone there that looks exactly like me yeah. any film is overwhelmingly Ian you've sorry that, that's the mirror but, oh that's where you've been going wrong all this time 
That makes sense. Not much has been happening in these shows you've been watching, is it? I did think TV was getting worse. <laughs> Our top three of the year was going to be really boring. <laughs> um, that time I did my hair. Yeah, oh, that, that was a banging one to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think re- represent the the whole point of representation is also very very important, especially when you're looking at something which is being held as a British icon, because it's not just turning the the racist head towards oh shit they're people it's also turning the heads of like with daniel cluhier young black kids with riz ahmed kind of young muslim kids looking at a british icon that is them and that's huge and i don't think we will ever appreciate how huge that is because it's something we've never had to spend a moment of our lives thinking or worrying about and also i think with um the other i guess the other really interesting thing with bond in particular going and probably less less so now but even you know back in probably like the the 90s days is that it the people who weren't who, who were viewing it as not through a, um, a white lens were typically being cast as the bad guys in all of yeah. these things yeah, yeah which is another you know but yeah look i and again even you know, it's obviously something that is is a talking point and is it needs to be spoken about. But casting that aside, on the quality of a British actor at the right age to play uh, a James Bond and take it in a different direction from where we are with Daniel Craig, I'd love to see Riz Ahmed given a crack of the whip because I think he's fantastic um, and I think he'd do a great job. I th- I think he'd be fucking amazing. And he was, uh, I mean, Rogue One's kind of spy. Yeah, so he's had a bit of sci-fi spy. Sci-fuck. That's a difficult one. Sci-fi spy. A bit of sci-fi spy experience. A bit of a bit of spy-fi, if you will. Luckily, there was a lot of money involved in Rogue One. Otherwise, it would be a lo-fi sci-fi spy experience. <laughs> Your go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just out of interest, I'm just looking at the, you know, you asked about the um, who was top of that poll. I've yeah. just gone through and had a look at some of the ones in here. So um, the highest one I've found so far is Tom Hardy. I thought you, so. But that's still only 47% of people that have said that they'd like to see Tom oh, okay. Hardy, um, which surprised me. I thought it'd be higher. Richard Madden, 42%. Interesting. Which seems quite high. He would, we, be, he would be very good, to be fair. I think he probably would, yeah. Killian Murphy, 34%. Oh, we've already cast him as a villain, unfortunately. Yeah. So that poll is, that purely opinion based poll is wrong. Tom Holland, 13%. I, don't, oh, I wouldn't want Tom Holland. No, I think he's probably too, he's probably too young, isn't he? Um, similar to what we've spoken about recently, just over the last two choices, Dev Patel. Yeah. 15% yeah. of people. Daniel Kalua, so I've just looked him up, he's got 15% um, approval okay. for it. Oh, and. We can look at your friend, Mr. Cavill. Uh, okay. We have a current leader in the opinion polls. 56% of people would be happy with Henry Cavill. Nice. Um, so perhaps you're onto something there, sir. So far, we've gone uh, a more traditional bond. So harking back to the, the giddy Cold War days, we have our fresh-faced bond on a, on a new mission. So now we are going to go older. So at 48 years old, this will be the oldest debut Bond by two years. 
So Roger Moore was the previous oldest Bond because he started at 46. And we're also going to have our second Mission Impossible series alumni. So before I go into this one, we have, we have a bit of housekeeping okay. to uh, go over. So I don't necessarily buy into the argument of a female James Bond. Right. So I think I personally am of the opinion that a straight up gender swap is a little bit lazy. And I think women deserve their own three dimensional characters written for themselves rather than just swapping people to be a woman. There's obviously ways to do it. There are definitely examples of it that have really worked. But personally, I think it's better to have characters written for women that tell women's stories. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely a lazy way of doing things. Yeah. However, and I see this as being a point I might lose you on because of my phrasing, but I don't believe a James Bond movie actually needs James Bond. Okay. So, I think James Bond, a James Bond movie is, because of how one-dimensional the character is, is a genre rather than a series about a character. Right. So, I'm going to introduce to you the wider 007 cinematic universe. So, I think you could have a 007 movie where James Bond isn't 007. Okay. That makes sense. It does. The only thing I would say is the title of the episode. Oh, you sneaky fucker. (laughs) The title of the episode, uh, as put on Instagram this morning, is Act As We Want Is The Next 007. Which I may have done solely so I could argue this point. Um, However, even if I hadn't, um, we can still argue that James Bond is a codename. And clearly this woman I'm about to talk about could still be James Bond 007. And that's just the code name designation for, for the person. Yeah. But I, I believe in... I don't think it's a spoiler because I haven't seen it and I know 007 was reassigned in the latest Bond film. So it's no longer... I think Daniel Craig's character is retired and it is now a character played by Lashana Lynch who is apparently like the best thing in the film. Okay. So there's precedent to it. Mm-hmm. It's happened already, and I still think you could have the all of the Bond experience without necessarily having the character James Bond. So, my choice for this is Tandy Newton. Okay. So, there are a lot of people I considered. Florence Pugh is a big honourable mention, but she's 25, which is also depressing, and I wanted... To tell that again, I've got my young Bond story. We, I didn't need another young Bond story. I wanted to go kind of older. So uh, Emily Blunt was kind of, I was going to say on the table. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> um, Emily Blunt because Emily Blunt's incredible. Claire Foy, I think, would be really good. Okay. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Uh, so also in Westworld with Tandy Newton, uh, and Olivia Coleman because Olivia Coleman could do whatever the fuck she wants. If Olivia Coleman decides she wants to play James Bond, Olivia Coleman plays James Bond. So the problem I have with Olivia Coleman is after seeing her in Fleabag, just hate her so much. Oh, interesting. Uh, rewatch all the interviews with her and Graham Norton and you'll fall in love with her again. Have you seen her on Graham Norton 
being interviewed about Cuban Fury. No. So Cuban Fury is the Nick Frost. It's like the. It's the dancing. It's. The, I think it's the. Fu- yeah. So yeah. he's uh, enters this dance competition, and it was kind of mainly marketed around the fact it was just Nick Frost. Right. And Olivia Coleman did some of the interview rounds and couldn't remember anything about the film because it had been six, seven months and they finished. And I think she got roped into the interview last minute. Right. And it is the funniest thing ever. Look, Olivia Coleman as an actress, fantastic. But, and this is half of the problem, she plays such a bitch in Fleabag. Oh, she's so good. (laughs) But yeah, so, uh, Tandy Newton. Uh, Tandy Newton is just an incredible actor. This entire section could just be me saying, watch Westworld. In Westworld, she shows that she's incredibly charismatic, sophisticated. She's extremely dangerous. This was also the choice I realised I stole from my dad. Okay. Because I did, I did originally, again, peek behind the curtain, I'd locked in Florence Pugh until this morning. And then I switched it out for Tandy Newton um, when I realised that basically the plot of a Florence Pugh Bond movie was going to be very similar to the Daniel Kaluuya one. Yeah. My dad's description of Tandy Newton, we know she can do action. She's absolutely brilliant. She's got that classy edge for a Bond character. Like, yeah, dad, you've got a point there. I just think she's, she's phenomenal. Like, again, she's, she's been in, she's made some interesting choices, um, but she is always phenomenal in them. So again, Westworld, she was in the much debated Crash. Do you remember Crash? You've had this conversation very recently. Cool. Why? I can't remember. Because there's two films called Crash. Yes, yes. And one is about uh, people who fuck after car crashes. Yeah. And one is uh, Hollywood patting on themselves on the back because they understand racism. Yeah. Yeah, so she was in the latter. <laughs> she was, she, yeah. Uh, her filmography, she's, she's one of those actors who I feel like she's been in more than she's actually been in. Yeah. But again, but I think because she always leaves such a lasting impression in her performances, you feel like she's been in more. Similar to kind of Riz Ahmed. Mm-hmm. So Riz Ahmed, there was definitely like a three-year period where he was in everything, but he hasn't actually been in that much. But he blows you away every single time. And uh, to an extent, the Daniel Kaluuya point you made as well, like he only makes a film a year, basically, but you remember every single time. Kind oh of yeah, yeah. Moment they're on screen. So, for a for a bit of context, so she was in Rock and Roller. Okay. The I would say the last watchable Guy Ritchie film for about seven years. So I think yeah, that was two thousand eight, and the Man from Uncle was twenty fifteen, and then even after then, no, I think there was another five years after that until he made another good one, and he was definitely making shit in between. Yeah, I've never seen Rock and Roller. It's really fun. It's no, it's nothing on Snatch, but it's still I mean, a very good film. Few, few, few films that I love oh, Snatch yeah. so much. But yeah, so she was in Mission Impossible Two. She was in uh, the, we won't talk about the Pursuit of Happiness. She mm. was in um, Solo. Yep. She's in. Uh, she does a voice in Big Mouth. But Westworld. Westworld is it is a complete tour de force of uh, performance and you know that's true because I talk about her performance more than I talk about the other people in the film, oh, sorry in the series and the other people in the series include Anthony Hopkins, Ed Harris Evan Rachel Wood, J. 
Jeffrey Wright, who's a very underrated actor, and is also in... Uh, oh, I just got a text notification on my Mac. I didn't realize you could do that. Because <laughs> no one texts me. Well, it's Apple, Apple Messages, right? Or whatever it's called. Oh, I guess, yeah. iMessage? Yeah. The, the series is full of incredible actors, and whenever Tandy Newton's in the scene, you can't look at anything else. Like, and that's, that's the kind of charisma and draw that Bond is supposed to have. Mm, yeah. The way I kind of see a Tandy Newton 007 movie, it's, it's a post-Bond world now. We finally reveal that James Bond was a code name and he wasn't just a moron telling everybody who was listening his real name. <laughs> uh, opening scene would be Tandy Newton like chasing someone through the streets of some kind of overly exotic city. It would involve two of the following. Fighting on a train, skydiving, bungee jumping from a dam, or a motorcycle chase. She gets her target and then blends seamlessly into the crowd because she's a spy and she's good at what she does. Uh, she calls into MI6 and we find out that her code name is 007. Boom. Big reveal. Daily Mail takes to the streets. Funnily enough, this would probably be the most traditional Bond film. Like, modern, I could see her in a modern setting. Big bad guy, high stakes, Aston Martin. High stakes is she going up against Salt Bay? Yeah, played by, obviously, if Tandy Newton has the job, Henry Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill Salt Bay. She is fighting <laughs> against high prices. Um, £11 for a Red Bull. I mean, come on. It's... There's nothing about that restaurant that makes me want to go. Like, there are, there are a lot of really cool, really expensive restaurants, I think. Yeah. If I had the money or if I, if I went on a one-off, it would be amazing. There is nothing about this Prick's restaurant that makes me want to go there. But also the, 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 the argument against that would be you aren't paying for the food, you're paying for the experience. Yeah, but, but there's also other experiences I'd rather pay that money on. Yeah, like just being kicked in the nuts. Yeah, all he's doing is sprinkling some salt down his arm like, and, and then weirdly and feeding wrapping, you a bit of meat. Wrapping steak in gold leaf? Yeah, well, there's a burger that's wrapped in gold leaf, which is £100. And Tandy Newton is going to take this piece of shit down. I'm in. <laughs> But yeah, it, it would be the more traditional Bond film because it, it, it's just kind of how I picture it. And like I said, I mean, the, this entire argument comes down to Westworld. Yeah. Which is also really annoying because I can't talk a lot about Westworld because people should watch it and I don't want to ruin it. So just do that. But she's brilliant. She's literally an African princess. Her mum is a princess of, like, the Shona tribe or something like that. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. Have fun with that one, Daily Mail. My final choice is based entirely on a single tweet. And I saw a tweet that said something along the line. Well, they'd retweeted a picture of this person, and it said something along the lines of, stop the search for the next Bond. We found him. And below was a picture of Brett Goldstein in a suit, I think either pre or post Emmys, and I can't argue. Like he looked like Bond, he looked like he could play Bond. Um, so my choice is Brett Goldstein. There's also something about taking like a relative unknown and making them Bond. Now, I know Brett Goldstein is not. You know, he's been around for a while. He's obviously done the comedy circuit. He's done quite a lot of TV in the UK. But also, he's not, you know, he's not necessarily an A-lister in comparison to a lot of these people that we've spoken about today. Speaking as a Brett Goldstein fan, 
it is not offensive to say Brett Goldstein does not have the public profile that Robert Patterson does. No, exactly that. Holy um, shit. What? Sorry, no, I just searched on uh, Twitter, Brett Goldstein Bond, and the picture's coming up. It's like, oh, no, he's just Bond, isn't he? Ridiculously so, right? Yeah. So, the, so the Esquire article I've, I've been talking about with the, with the votes on it, unfortunately, Brett's not on there, so we can't look at the, the voting ratio. But it does make a good point about this idea of taking like these relative unknowns and casting them into the spotlight. So to, to quote the article, it says, uh, look at where past Bonds were in their careers when they got the gig. Sean Connery was an undistinguished jobbing actor, best known for fighting leprechauns in Disney's Bagora and Blimey Irish tale Darby O'Gill and the Little People. George, George Lazenby was a card salesman turned chocolate advert mascot who bumped into broccoli at the barbers. Not like Ace, yeah. a bit of broccoli. I knew exactly what you meant, but that's such a great mental image. Um, and, and as they put it, Pierce Brosnan had a perm. Um, <laughs> Pierce, Pierce Brosnan they wanted a lot earlier, but he was tied into uh, TV contracts. They got Timothy Dalton instead. Oh, interesting. True story. Have we talked about Roger Moore says claims he invented the Magnum? No. Roger Moore claims he invented the Magnum. Please continue. Um, gun, condom, or, or ice cream? Ice cream. Okay. So claims he invented the ice cream. How? Um, he says he was talking about the idea to somebody at uh, Walls or something, and then suddenly it was being made. There's not a lot of weight to it, but he stood by it until uh, very, very late in his life. Apparently, if it's it, on a very quiet day, when the wind is just right, you just hear the voice of Roger Moore just saying, I definitely invented the Magnum. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I think he did. He did get uh, buried encased in chocolate. So, um... and he also once got rescued by porpoises. No, that was um, Dick Van Dyke. Ah, yes, it was, wasn't it? You twat. But also, though, one of the best stories ever. Oh yeah, he was out surfing and fell asleep. Fell, fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I always get my magnums mixed up with dolphins. <laughs> Well, yeah, because also a magnum couldn't be a naked gun because of the. Uh, that's not the right. That's Liam Neeson. That's Liam oh, Neeson. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Le- Le- oh my god, oh. what is happening? Leslie Nielsen. Liam Liam Neeson's <laughs> naked gun. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, like in his context of like actors, you know, as say whether it be Connery or Lazenby, like. Not necessarily like these household names, but they were found cast as Bond, and obviously the rest is history, apart from maybe Lazenby. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I get it. Goldstein, he's got an Emmy to his name. He's got a couple of series of a hit sitcom under his belt. But outside of that, you know, I was looking through his IMDb. He's, you know, he's been in a lot of sort of British TV shows. He's got um, credits. He's in a film called Super Bob, which is very, very good. Oh, yeah? But nobody's ever heard of it. Oh, yeah, because I haven't. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that, that that kind of adds to the kind of um, intrigue and kind of following the path of previous Bonds that has, has been laid there. He's older than the other two I've mentioned, so he's just entered his 40s, so it would probably be more of a classic Bond than... You know, a younger Bond or or anything, anything uh, similar there, 
But another thing that would be fantastic opportunity, given we're going to have Brack as James Bond, we're obviously therefore going to bring in Juno Temple as a Bond girl, because A, I think she'd be great, and B, they've got a fantastic on-stream chemistry and connection. He did go kind of like gruff in um, Ted Lasso for Roy Kent, so I think you know I think he's got the range to kind of put something on there for um to be you know a more suave and sophisticated James Bond. I I think I I don't want Brett Goldstein as Bond. I want a film where Roy Kent gets employed by MI6 <laughs> <laughs> just to fuck people up. Just just a very sweary but <laughs> deep down very. Untoxic man. <laughs> uh, I love Brett Goldstein. His, oh, uh, he is great. I, I really want to try. He, he's the annoying kind of stand-up where he's because he's primarily a writer. Yeah. Now I'm worried he won't do a stand-up show again, and I really want to see him. Yeah, I think he kind of. Well, I mean, you showed me that great um, bit of stand-up uh, re- fairly recently. Well, I say you showed me it recently. It's from a while ago, and I I've got a feeling that you either got to see him do stand up in like the top of a small pub in London somewhere, yeah, or you never got to see him do. Yeah, like, he's not going to do the Apollo, is he, or anything like that? No, and he he definitely see he seems to be one of. I think he's he is much loved in the industry as well mm. because I think he's very respected as a writer. Like some of the names he gets on his podcast are fucking insane. Oh yeah, um, which I'd also strongly recommend. Films to be buried with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be. I, I'm very interested to see what happens with him, because I think uh, I don't want to say he is the the kind of the breakout. Ted Lasso has shot a lot of people's career up. Yeah, uh, I'd or, say probably like he out of anyone though is probably his his star has risen the highest. Him and Hannah Waddingham because of yeah. how the, they were very famous in their circles. And yeah. this is shot very talented people out into... Because a lot of people knew Hannah Waddingham as just the shame woman from Game of Thrones. Rather than the fact that she is a very talented musical theatre actress. Yeah, wasn't she also in... Um... Is it Benadorm? Maybe. I think that's I what I've... Benadorm. I know her from. Um, yeah, she was in Benadorm. Well, she was in uh, Spamalot. I might have seen her in Spamalot, actually. For me, um, if I'm going to base casting James Bond on the basis of a single picture that's been tweeted, I'm going to go with Brett Goldstein, and we can we can share the picture on social media if social media starts working again. It's it's um, Twitter. It's everything is back. Excellent. We're okay. Um, Everything's going to be okay. Then yeah, it's um, it's it's just too good. <laughs> He looks yeah. the part. I uh, it's difficult to argue against uh, an argument that is based on him looking good in a suit when he looks good in a suit. Yeah. So. So. Those were the choices. Those were the choices. Uh, out of your three, what's the top three of your three? Oh, it's very tricky actually. Um, I probably have to put Brett Goldstein in third, purely just because I'm I'm basing it on a picture other than anything else. But the picture is very convincing. With the other two, mm, it's very tricky. I might just go in reverse order that I went in. So Riz Ahmed at two, because I think he would be great, and I think we, I think the idea of just having you know a real fresh take on Bond 
um, would be great. But there's something about the star power of Robert Patterson, the his turn in Tenet, I think, maybe is enough to swing me to think That's that he's so bond. Yeah, that yeah. he is just that little bit more bond. Um, my favorite thing with Robert Patterson as well is I think myself and a lot of generally the world forget he's British. Yeah, because he always plays his speaking. I mean, I mean, Americans correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems to rock a very good accent. Yeah, I would say. But so. also, Robert Downey Jr. thought he was probably doing a good Welsh accent in Doolittle. So, what do you mean it was spot on here? You back the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we've been doing this over a year doesn't mean I can't pull out now. <laughs> That's what she said. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I said to Henry Cavill. Um, so, I'm, I'm really... This is one of the hardest top threes I think I've had to narrow down. Yeah. Because I, I would watch every single one of these films. So I really like the idea of like a 19... Like a period piece Henry Cavill Bond. I really like the idea of a Daniel Kaluuya rookie spy bond and then Tandy Newton in kind of the more traditional mold of a bond film I think would be fucking flawless as well. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go from one to three instead to try and talk these out. Okay. Um I think number one I'm gonna go Daniel Kaluuya because I think he fixes the he fixes the one problem I generally have with Bond in that I think he is with an actor like him, it could actually become a very interesting character, and we haven't really seen that yet. Um, yeah. Unless something has massively changed, they tried to do, like the, the closest we probably had was Skyfall, and then arguably that was M's story anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the idea of I I think he's the, the right actor to explore actually Bond as a character, and he also seems open to a bit of silliness. So I still think we could have some of the more out there gadgets. And then it's between Henry Cavill and Tandy Newton. I, I can't really separate them. For me, the thing that separates them, and I don't know if this will swing your choice or not, but the idea of the period bomb piece is probably the most interesting thing we've spoken about today. Yeah. All right, so I will go Henry Cavill's a very close second because I think he is the right bomb to do a period bond film, and I like that idea. And then number three, Tandy Newton, who I still think would be fucking incredible. It is it is definitely the closest top three I think I've had. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to what some would refer to as the point of the podcast. Uh, our joint podcast top three. What are you saying? Straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. Um, Robert Patterson's definitely up there for me. Yeah, Robert Patterson and I really like... Again, as I mentioned, the Henry Cavill period piece. I just think that needs to happen. Um, I suppose that could be applied to any of them, but probably Cavill fits the the, the role a little bit better. Um, I, I, I could see Patterson doing a period piece, to be fair. Yeah, he probably could. And if it's Christopher Nolan, it would be. Well, it'd be a, a period piece film. and also not a period piece at exactly the same time. Yeah, it'd be a period <laughs> piece overlaid over modern day, yeah. and then it turns out Daniel Kaluuya was Bond anyway. And it was the Cold War, but it was also hot. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone would act like it's the best film ever made. Yeah. <laughs> Even though nobody could understand Even what was going Even though everyone on. had to go home and Google what the fuck happened. 
Um, Bond? Question mark? <laughs> I'm more of a guilts man. It's a little bit of a financial services uh, humour for you. Nice. Uh, uh, okay, so so Robert Patterson is is there. Yeah. Uh, then it is possibly Henry Cavill, but at least the concept of a period Bond. Yeah. Brett Goldstein looks good in a suit. That's not enough for me, Graham. So Riz Ahmed, Daniel Kaluuya, or Tandy Newton. Would would any of Riz Ahmed, Daniel Kaluuya, or Tandy Newton look suit at period Bond? Kaluuya could. How about we roll Robert Pattinson into a period? <laughs> How about... <laughs> We're talking about being in Bond, not Carrie. <laughs> Fucking hell, okay. How about we do Robert Pattinson in a period piece? Yeah. I think he would... He's definitely got the... Uh... And by period piece, we mean Cold War. Not yeah. like Jane Austen. Not, not, yeah, not Jane Austen. <laughs> Though... No, also, no, yeah. I'm not hugely against the idea. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, okay, so so Robert Pattinson, 1960s Bond. Yeah. I would then go Daniel Kaluuya, and then it's between Riz Ahmed and Tandy Newton. Yeah. Um, I would also then just cast Henry Cavill as the villain in all of these three. <laughs> so that's uh, that's being added to the notes. Yeah, I don't know. I think um ooh. I I would lean Tandy just cuz Riz Ahmed and Daniel Kluger are both kind of doing the rookie bond approach. But yeah. also, I think I think Riz Ahmed would be very good. At, he's also another actor who could probably explore what bond actually is. Yeah, and this is this is part of it. How about then um <laughs> just to make just however you score this in the kind of fantasy thing, even more convoluted. <clears throat> Robert Pattinson. Okay. Daniel Kaluuya. Tandy Newton. Yeah. Henry Cavill is the bad guy in all of them. Yeah. But Riz Ahmed does the theme song for all of them. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair because like, I, I, I really like the idea of a young Bond movie. That explores who Bond is. I think Daniel Kluge and Riz Ahmed would both be very good at it. But I just think, for me, I think Daniel Kluge pips it just just a little bit. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, Tandy Newton, I just think would be fucking incredible. Okay. So, the podcast nobody asked for was Actors We Want as the Next Bond. So, number three, we have Tandy Newton facing off against Henry Cavill with... The Bond, well, the 007 theme being performed by Riz Ahmed. Number two, we have Daniel Kluya facing off against Henry Cavill with a Bond theme by Riz Ahmed. And then number one, we have Robert Patterson facing off against Henry Cavill with a Bond theme by Riz Ahmed. If you agree with our choices, if you have any other uh, prospective candidates for the Bond vacancy, then you can actually now reach us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us on Patreon where you become a friend of the podcast and help us keep this idle banter going for as long as possible. Yes. Um, if you've seen the new James Bond, um, No Time to Die? No Time to Die. No Time to Die. And you want to tell us what you thought about if you think any of these characters would have done, any of these actors would have done a better job um, in that in the scope of that film 
let us know on Twitter at NobodyAsks4Pod with the number four. You can also find us there on Facebook. Nice. Speaking of the new Bond film, just to uh, completely derail me ending this podcast, uh, I think the only logical ending to Daniel Craig's Bond arc yeah. is that James Bond is going to die. Interesting. I, I think it's going to end with him dying. I think that is the only reason he agreed to do another one, was that it definitely had to be one. Like Harrison Ford syndrome. Yeah. And I think it makes sense to have a self-contained story because then it frees up everything else and stops podcasts like us complaining that James Bond is multiple different people. They also uh, called it No Time to Die. I really uh, <laughs> And also leave us a, a review on Apple. Oh, also, uh, I haven't seen the film yet. So if it turns out that was right, don't tell me. Yeah. Also, um, don't moan at us for it being a spoiler because it can't be a spoiler if we didn't know. Oh, if that's, that's true, I'm going to be talking about this for years, <laughs> logically figuring out how I think the story should end. It's oh. like my dad still talks about figuring out the twist from the Sixth Sense from a trailer. I just realised as well that um, we were speaking about Fleabag earlier, and obviously, um, oh yeah, Fleabag Bridge we yeah, yeah. bought into Script Doctor No Time to Die. Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little uh, thing that we missed out on the podcast of is here. a circle it is um if you uh if you enjoyed the podcast you can leave us a review on apple podcast or Podchaser, and in your review uh, leave us any episode ideas for uh the future and we'll do our favorite ones so that was the the first episode of year two it was yeah that was nice wasn't it hmm yeah we've bought, built up a, over i'd say over a year of podcasting we've bought up bought over a year of podcasting, we've uh, generated quite a strong bond ourselves. Hey, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, let me think of a bond pun. <laughs> back something about Moonraker. <laughs> yeah. Why ahead. would you rake the moon? Moon leaves. Ah. <laughs> They are a problem. No, yeah, because you you've got to rake the moon leaves, otherwise your ship can't take off again. It sets the sets them on fire, and then that melts the cheese. And that's why the moon comes down to watch Sky TV. Yeah, the fondue moon. I do like references we've done on regular episodes because I'm fairly sure I've now mentioned that moon advert four episodes in a row. Yeah, I mean it is a distinctly stupid advert. But anyway, fuck those guys. Um, I wish uh, I wish Sky would fall. Skyfall. Ugh, no one asked for this.